My favorite thing to do is to sit down with a good friend of mine over a nice episode of Sesame Street. This is Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Michael Giannis. Today I am happy to be joined by Jared once again. How are you doing, Jared? Um, you know, if I'm honest, it's it's been a while since I've uh, watched myself some Sesame Street, so I I don't think I can I can say I'm educated right now. I'm a little Oh, that's too bad. Oh my god. A little ignorant, I think. Oh. But well. you know, we after the last one I'm feeling a little better, you know. Well, that's good. I mean, you you can you can leave Sesame Street, but the thing about Sesame Street is it never leaves you. <laughs> right. Right. I am permanently scarred with every episode I have seen. Right. They call it the Elmo effect. Right. <laughs> right. That's why he's scientists have been studying this for years. They've been trying to track for some reason Elmo there's something about Elmo I don't know if you've noticed oh you know he, I, I I read about this um, on the onion pretty recently it was good yeah no I, I I recently sourced that in my my research paper about uh, Sesame Street very influential be on the lookout for that got it uh, today we watched an episode of Sesame Street entitled Lena Horn sings with Grover um, I'm not a fan of the like titles that are just celebrity followed by what they do <laughs> really feels kind of like they're phoning it in to be honest um yep. this, yeah this episode aired uh, january 3rd 1989 uh so we're slowly creeping up on uh 2k uh, i think we'll, we'll be there by the end of the year i think is there a sesame street y2k episode you know what with <laughs> with the breadth <laughs> of topics that they cover i would not be surprised if there were a skit or two uh, assuaging kids' fears about the impending uh, calendar-based apocalypse. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by meteors falling from the sky. <laughs> Can you say the end is near? <laughs> um, this episode was surprisingly cohesive as far as the ongoing uh, skit is concerned. Mm. Um, it featured uh, Placido Flamingo, once again, who has really become... Kind of a regular, like I believe in like the last several, uh, he's been kind of a central player to the plot. Um, but it, it features Placido Flamingo and Olivia. Uh, Olivia is is reluctantly um, brought on by Flamingo to perform an opera entitled La Via Sesamia, uh, in which the the two of them go around to various places and meet up with their friends and sing about them. Now, Olivia, despite being as reluctant as she was to begin with, is actually an extremely skilled soprano. Astoundingly so it's, it's, good. <laughs> and, and it's it, – because it, in the beginning, she was like, I don't know. I, uh, you know, if I have to, I'll do this opera. And by the second act, she's belting out these crazy high notes. It's like, oh, you love this. Right. Don't pretend. <laughs> that really says something about the magic of Sesame Street, that we kind of accepted that the pink flamingo puppet – is a good opera singer, but when the, the the grown woman who's a professional performer starts to sing, we're like, "Whoa, hang on, wait a second. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed this this sort of continuous effect. It, it like like I said before, the musical motif in Sesame Street is always strong, and it's yeah. front and center once again. Uh, and that was that was good to see. For sure. Um. The first uh, little skit we move on to was the um, the Z in space, which was an, an immediate uh, kind of kind of threw us off because it was kind of a, 
a normal way to start an episode, you know, here's a Muppet with a human introducing the plot. And then we go on to probably one of the most abstract um, little animations we've seen. <laughs> it, was, it was just a Z, right? <laughs> Flying through space and this drone in the background of like a kid. <laughs> Z. Z. It's like, oh. They've really upped the I'm production on these, I think. Up the production, <laughs> but they haven't lost their like creative spark, so it it, right. it has the opportunity to be even weirder than it's ever been. And and that's what we look for with Sesame Street for to sure. get it as weird as possible. Yeah. Uh, then we move on to a classic Ernie and Bert scene. Um, Ernie's got a surprise for Bert. Bert's like reading a book, and it's like a big old <laughs> novel. But the only excerpt that we know is in there is the. Uh, the punchline of why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> and and he is very much wrapped up in this to get to the other side. He's like, oh, 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 I get it now. And and I think this is maybe he's done it in the past. This is the first time I've heard Bert laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's a really it it does not fit his normally uh not stoic but kind kind of negative and just cynical character that is Bert <laughs> as opposed to laughing at why did the chicken cross the road these are the benefits of breaking breaking up these like classic partnerships you get to see what they're like on their own and you hmm. see like a little little hint of, of a different character that they could be had they not been tied up with their, their partner you think uh, Bert plays it up for Ernie oh definitely <laughs> you know he'll lock himself in like the, the bathroom he'll you know, draw a warm bath. He'll have a nice novel, and he'll he has a nice time. But like when he's with when he's with Ernie, he's gotta he's gotta be on watch twenty four seven with Ernie. Right, and so and so Ernie walks in. and He says, "I've got a surprise for you." And, and like Bert's first response, "What?" It's so like it was quiet. a it was a smart little thing because like like it was just him not hearing what he said, and like there was no way that's in the script. That's just a little <laughs> improv moment of like. He was. I was reading a book, Ernie. What do you want? What do you, I'm busy. Can you just tell me what the surprise is? I don't want to deal with this right now. I'm sick of your shit, Ernie. <laughs> Ernie's not, however, and he keep, keeps giving him like little hints at what the surprise is. He starts with it's small. Which... Oh, okay. Thing he's okay. he's looking out the door to check to get like a trait that he then tells to uh, Bert, mm-hmm. but it. It kind of looks. He's like looking in his pants, and he's like, "It's small." <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me. Cute. These were the and, first two things that he said. And and Bert's like, "Uh." <laughs> <laughs> the next hint was that it had four legs. Yeah. So. Okay. Some could make the argument. <laughs> uh, sexual tension has been diffused, Jared. Don't make this weird. This Look, is Ernie's children. the one making it weird. In any he case, gets him a puppy. It's a puppy. But it's a real life puppy. It's a real fucking puppy. <laughs> that Ernie is just like straight up cradling, and, and, and like, go ahead. The the weird thing about that is it throws like your perspective all out of whack because, like, you've kind of you've kind of been had in your mind like what you think these puppets' sizes are, but then they bring oh, on yeah. a dog and it's like, oh, this is a real dog, and I don't think <laughs> I, these, these puppets were bigger than we expected. I would say they're about waist height. Yeah, and and that's that's big for a puppet, you know, like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> that's a little offsetting. Speaking like if, of big for a puppet. Oh come on! He <laughs> said it was small. All right. He's humble. 
<laughs> Ernie, quote, big for a puppet. What's his last name? I don't think we know yet. We don't know. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, maybe they don't have last names in their puppet culture. We don't know. Yeah. Well, we do know. We'll get to it later, but uh, Cookie, <laughs> Cookie Monster had an alternate name that I was fond of. <laughs> he had a full name. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so after this, um, we had the Five Friends song, which was set to uh, <laughs> images of penguins, five of them. And, and if, if you're unfamiliar with the way that penguins walk, uh, <laughs> they've kind of got their heads upturned, like they're real, they've got a real sassy walk going. It was good. It was like, who, who says Five Friends can't have fun? Yeah. Come on, guys. And it was really, it was really, it wasn't like a celebrate, it was, it was celebrating five people, but it was really kind of like spiteful. It was like, how dare you say five people isn't good? Why don't Back you go get a job? Get a job at playing basketball. <laughs> the construction of that line was very good. It was like, go get a job playing basketball. And it was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, uh, yeah. first it was just kind of like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> don't tell me to get a job. I'm, I'm work, I'm, I'm a student. Don't. Yeah, I'm a child. I'm a literal baby. I am a literal. Yeah, no, and then like I don't know. That seemed real specific to me. That was like they were calling out someone in particular, their friend who plays basketball, and it's like <laughs> I don't want to hang out with five people. Like, who says we can't hang out with five people? I wish you fuck off, Dave. Like, <laughs> oh, is he trying to say like like you couldn't because like a basketball team is like five people? Is, is that he, is he trying to say like try and play basketball by yourself? See how that goes. It's lonely. Let me tell you, it's not fun. Yeah. Doesn't work. All right. Uh, after that, we had um, this sort of like modern art kind of looking thing. They were just like the cameras like scanning over it, and then it kind of comes alive with like a cat and a bird, uh, sort of oh, yeah. ch- being chased around. Um, to be clear, the cat is chasing the bird as its classic cartoon. Right. You know, Sesame's big on 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 switching up you know cultural norms, but. As far as cats and birds are concerned, tradition is the way to go. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, they, that's that was neat. I, I enjoyed that. It was like a different art style than we've seen before. Which, for sure. Yeah, once you're deep, this deep into Sesame Street, you're kind of looking for the new bits. And <laughs> uh, this delivered on that front, I think. For sure. Oh, and we, there, was a, there was a twist ending, as there sometimes is on mm-hmm. Sesame Street. Sometimes. Very un- unpredictable place. Um, so the cat is, is chasing this little bird around and... And they, they kind of trade off the cat, the bird hiding and the cat finding him. Yeah. And then eventually the cat comes upon, like, a lion. Mm-hmm. And the lion, like, scares the crap out of the cat. And then the lion turns around and he and the bird are in cahoots. Yeah. That was an interesting twist because you'd think, like, the, the feline ancestry right. would have garnered some respect between the two. What they're really teaching kids is there's no such thing as loyalty. Right. You don't trust your friends. Keep your friends close. Keep your bird enemies closer. Bird enemies, if you will. If, if you will. Um, after this, we had the first act of the opera, um, which took place oh. in the Fix-It shop. Right. Which was with, in... with, <laughs> with two adults who were not into the fact that there was an opera going no. on. I mean, it was like the, the Flamingo was, was very much into the fact that he wrote an opera and he was singing his heart out. Mm-hmm. And there was a toaster to be fixed and Olivia was singing her heart out. But they just kind of kept on working, yeah. like, all right, buddy. Yeah, the thing is, is yeah, they weren't into it, but if they were they were definitely not up to the task of diffusing this situation. <laughs> they were just going to let it play out, you know. This guy's name is Placido Flamingo. He's going to do his thing no matter what we do. <laughs> they they played along at one point. They like There was a part in the song where it was like, she's going to hit her hammer, and she did. 
yeah. props to her. But she kind of gave like a snap, a sassy face that went with it. Like, oh, but yeah, here's my hammer. This is the plight of the humans on Sesame Street. <laughs> and you, and <laughs> you have to wonder if they knew this is what they were signing up for when they signed the lease. <laughs> because at the end of the scene, the guy turns to assumedly his wife um, at the fix it shop. And he's like, oh, what can you do? <laughs> That's how about 50% of all Sesame Street scenes end is, what are you going to do? <laughs> this wacky character did something amazing. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> um, after this, oh, we should mention that this is, um, this is where we first learned that Olivia was like a phenomenal singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just brings like a toaster in and you think the goof is going to be, she's like not very good, but she's like, <laughs> She's dancing with the toaster, and it's 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 a very good performance on her part. <laughs> yeah, she she hits one of those notes that it's like one clearly only a soprano can hit, and two you're just kind of like, oh god, <laughs> how do you even? <laughs> yeah. Um, after this, we had the oh, I like this actually. Uh, the five brooms in the bedroom. <laughs> whatever, uh, whatever drugs that girl was on, I want some. <laughs> she, so. It, it 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 plays the scene of a girl sitting in bed at night, right? And her and her parents come in, and I think they're like, "Why are you awake?" And she was like, "Where are the brooms?" And and apparently or allegedly, there had been five brooms all dressed up with coats, dancing under the moonlight. She's telling the story. That's what she tells the parents. And 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 the parents are like, bro, bro, "Yeah, brooms." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Whatever you say, kiddo. Yeah. And when they, but when they leave, they're like, oh, I thought it seemed neat in here. It's a nice nice little passive-aggressive stab. Like, clean your room, kid. <laughs> uh, that, that was fun. I enjoyed that one. Uh, <laughs> then we had uh, the first show of Kermit in this episode in mm. a little Sesame Street news flash. Oh, yeah. I thought it was going <laughs> to they, – they had, like, a little news alert pop up, and it was like, this just in. Kermit the Frog, deathly injured. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, not, we're not to that season yet. We're still – Right, that's later. Yeah. Um, uh, Kermit's reporting on the scene of the crime where a big bad wolf has blown down uh, several houses belonging to several pigs. Mm. Um, Kermit Kermit seems to be the kind of reporter that's going to... He's going to get the scoop no matter what. Uh, so he presses these pigs for, for an emotional reaction, and he gets it because the pigs are uh, angry and sad uh, in order. Well, the first pig is is bordering on like he he calls Kermit. He, Kermit asks him how he feels, and the pig calls it a dumb question. And he's he's like he's got a little mad Italian accent. I don't know. It, it was good. It's a solid kids show pig. You think Kermit's infamous around these parts for being like a, a little too nosy? Mind your own business, Frogman. I'll tell you who was nosy was these pigs. These their noses in particular. <laughs> it, it, and Michael pointed this out. It was pretty clear that like these were pink muppets that they hastily attached pig noses to. Yeah. <laughs> because the noses were like a little like slightly off color. Different fabric, different. Yeah. Uh, so the last pig built his house out of brick. If you'll remember the old, the old story, and he's he's very happy to let the rest of the pigs in his house for. Were they gonna sit by the pool and drink? Um, something like that. I, I drink drinky poos or something. Like he used yeah. up weird. I mean, but they they, they built them up quite a bit. Not only what like the first two houses of of uh, hay and hay and sticks were pretty like 
um, they, they were pretty small. And mm-hmm. when we got to the brick house, it was a straight up mansion. Like the pig was turned around and like yelling to some contractor, like put, <laughs> put the satellite dish near the squash court, <laughs> other side of the chimney. Like, yeah. all right, pal. <laughs> like he saw the cameras coming. He's like, oh, I gotta, gotta make it clear that I am rich AF. Yeah. That was that was his pig's role. But he was a nice, he's a nice rich guy at least. Um, so the the wolf comes uh, after all the pigs are safely inside, mm. and uh, Kermit tries to interview the wolf, but the wolf is having none of it because um, <laughs> he mentioned that it that it was allegedly a big bad wolf. <laughs> and the wolf the wolf rams into Kermit at light speed, <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> and he starts blowing Kermit away. And Kermit's still trying to do his broadcast. Yeah. He's like, "This is Kermit reporting." <laughs> Kermit's committed to the craft. You can't, you can't deny him that. <laughs> um, after this, we moved on to uh, oh, Jive Five. Oh, my man, something. Jive Five. <laughs> this is something you don't get today. Oh God. Um, <laughs> so it was. Did he pop out of a barrel? What was it? It was. <laughs> I think he just kind of. It was a five that grew arms and legs. I think. <laughs> and he, and he started walking to the right, and he ran into. People who had five of various things. Right. You know the drill. In, in particular, I forget, the what was the first set of five they had? Hats. They had hats, and then frogs, I believe. Yes. And then babies. And then babies, which he, like, magically touches and, like, puts them to sleep one by one. And they, they, they start singing a note of a chord each. Yeah. It was pretty cool, actually. <laughs> the His shoes made some noises, though. <laughs> <laughs> it was some creaking... Some scratching. It was good. This whole thing was just some sort of weird 1989 fever dream. Yeah, this this episode was like, is this what the 80s was like? I'm pretty sure this is what the 80s was like. There was multiple points where it was like, when, when does, did this exist? Did this exist? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Drive 5 was a thing, I guess. Um, oh, and then another good skit. This has been This has been a highlight episode for me. Because um, we moved on to this this sort of spoof on uh, like soap operas and like after school specials. Well, we are. <laughs> this is uh, the classics of Sesame Street. True. We're, we're hitting the best right now. Right. Oh yeah, the the after school specials and the the soap opera so good. It was there. There were three in total, I think, and each one gave uh, like a different aspect of school. That yeah. you just kind of need to inherently know. Yeah. And it was, and it was like, like two friends were sitting there, and one turned to the other, and I was like, I mean, I know I, it's our first day of school, but like, who are all these people? And their friend would kindly explain, Oh, this is school. You have to meet new people. And we got like a close up of the person who asked the question. They're like, Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this happened multiple times with like. Who's that guy up at the front who's pointing at the chalkboard? That's the teacher. And what? Then, like, the mouth gaping. And, <laughs> and then was... the last one was about uh, raising your hand. Yeah. And little little Sally was like, I know the answer. I know the answer. <laughs> Good lessons to teach kids. I'm glad someone's someone's taking care of that before they get to school. And where would we be without Sesame Street? God, that's the question we hope to answer on this. By the end of this series... Um, I hope to have a definitive answer to that Quantitative, easily definable, and a graph. I think it's something about cookies. (laughs) Uh, Well, it depends on which Muppet you ask. 
I suppose that's true. Um, after this, we moved on to uh, some frogs jumping around. What was this one? Frogs? Yeah. Uh, I wrote frogs you... jumping. Is that the Jive 5? No. Whatever. Oh, 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 okay, so there... <laughs> so on one... there Okay, big pond, right? One rock on either side. And on oh, one yeah, side, yeah, yeah. there was the frog chorus going, right? And they were, they were having a rehearsal. And on the other side, uh, there was this little frog who wanted to join in. And uh, while, while he was planning his jump over... A big frog hopped on in, and he said, oh, a rehearsal going on? And they were like, come on over, and he hopped the big big pond. And so the little frog tries it, but he doesn't quite make it. He does this a few times. He's having trouble learning from his mistakes. He's kind of face first into the pond a few times, and he starts thinking real hard, so much so that a thought bubble appears, right? <laughs> and, and he goes through a couple different situations until he comes to the idea that if there were another rock in the middle of the pond, he could make it all the way across. So he starts throwing pebbles into the pond, and while he's doing so – Another big frog comes up and he joins the rehearsal and he says, you know, kid, if you keep playing with pebbles, you'll never make it into the chorus. And uh, sure enough, little frog builds a big enough rock out of pebbles in the middle of the pond and makes his way over. I'm glad we took the time for that one. Um, <laughs> moving forward. Moving on. Uh, this is the second episode of the uh, opera. Uh, which featured a sad big bird because Snuffleupagus went to visit his grandmother. <laughs> Very guess... real things going on. Good like, on, <laughs> good on, good on Big Bird for building out the Snuffleupagus family tree in in his <laughs> mind. For sure, for sure. It, it seems as though Big Bird has come a long way from episode one. Yes. Um, <laughs> they sing about. We we discovered that the tomorrow theme is going to be a, a a recurring instance. Uh, in the opera, because mm. the toaster was going to be repaired tomorrow, uh, Snuffleupagus is going to return tomorrow, and it sort of becomes the refrain throughout the different operas. And I thought that was smart, like a a, a, a sort of... They don't often do that in like a, a sort of repeating way. They kind of move... They're always moving forward, but like it kind of gives the whole thing a sort of uh, like connection that you don't really get. And I think that's why I felt like this sure. was a more cohesive episode. The yeah, most. there was there was a good motif going. Mm-hmm. Um, then we moved on to uh, what was that? Oh, the plant one, the water, the plant. <laughs> this one sucked, in my opinion. You didn't like it? I did not like this. It was it was rushed. It was the pacing was weird. It was, it was uncomfortable to watch. It was pointless. Yeah, it was pretty dumb. I, well, it, it gave the whole, like, it's teaching, you gotta water your plants. Sure. I sort of feel like, even more so than the teachers and people are at school lesson, that this was kind of a self-evident, sort of pointless excursion for Sesame Street to go on. Yeah, so the, a guy, and maybe a sister, a friend, whatever, a guy, a guy walks up to a girl and is like, hey, check out this plant I grew. And, and she's like, cool, dude, great. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> As a little... Anyway, so they they run into the room with the plant. The plant's kind of dying, and the girl makes fun of him for it. And so, the girl suggests, "Oh, you know, maybe you just have to wake your plant up." And they go through a different few different things that wake people up. They did an alarm clock. They uh, there was a trombone. Uh, there's, yeah, a guy ran in with a trombone. Some uh, the girl got their dog right. to come in and bark at it. And in the end, uh, 
the girl points out that the, her mother always says that a good shower wakes her up. Mm. So they go and they get some water and they pour it on the plant. And sure enough, the plant likes water. What an incredible lesson, folks. You heard look, it here first. Wow, folks. Wow. <laughs> I mean, maybe, look, maybe it's one of those things where it's like uh, Buddy and Jim, right? Of course, like, they're going to mess things up over and over again. It's so that the kids are like, no, do this thing. And they're doing, like, critical critical thinking, problem solving, you know? I, I feel like a key part of that, though, is that it's got to be, like, entertaining when they screw up. But... I really felt like with this, it was sort of just like a rushed, well, this has to happen, so we're just going to draw this kid running in and running out with a oh, trombone. Yeah. With Dude, a... It, <laughs> it, it was, okay, so it was really bad the way the animation was rushed, because it was, it, was, it was almost as like they made the full skit, and then they were told, like, no, your time slot is half what you thought it was. <laughs> and so the animators went back and, like, cut out keyframes. Yeah. And, and, like, redid the whole thing so that it's, like, way shorter. The, at the end of the thing, the girl wasn't even done talking when they cut to the next scene. <laughs> that was enjoyable. Not on purpose, obviously. But um, After this, uh, we moved on to uh, a girl that likes to write a story uh, by drawing a picture and, like, writing about what a real thing that happened to her. Oh, yeah, she, she's basically inventing kids' Pinterest. Yeah, she invented kid Pinterest. Because she she's a crafty she's a crafty little girl. She, 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 she it starts out with like what you'd expect. She's drawing a picture with like crayons and she's like writing on like the big like lined like kid paper. But then she goes into like she's cutting up cardboard for like a hardcover <laughs> book and she's like sewing in the paper. And the the she's like attaching fabric to it. Yeah. And it, it, I could very well see that having been on, like, a YouTube channel of, like, next, I'm going to cut the cardboard to six inches by eight inches. And what this is going to do, you know, and yeah. <laughs> a real crafty voice. I like to use liquid glue, but stick right. glue is just as good. So if you <laughs> don't have any liquid glue at home, feel free to use stick. Right. Oh, oh, and they go in, like, they're setting up for, like, a present for their parents. Yeah. And so, like, they, they wrap their, the gift they got, which I think was the book. They go and they go to the store and they buy like flowers and a few other things, and then like they buy the ingredients for a cake. Yeah, and then the, and then it just turns into we baked a cake. Also, these two children. <laughs> and and they show like the the batter for the cake at one point, and it's just like straight up applesauce and vomit. Whatever was in that bowl did not turn into that cake. <laughs> Their workspace was a mess. <laughs> Pots and pans and bowls everywhere and like flour all over the floor. Do not and let these like... do not let these kids near Master Chef Junior anytime soon. <laughs> they are not prepared. Gordon not even Ramsay, close. Gordon Ramsay would straight up kill that little girl. There was no hesitation. <laughs> the parents seemed real happy in the end. Good. My yeah. kid's a genius. Didn't burn <laughs> the house down. Yeah, fucking let your kids bake a fucking cake in their house. <laughs> Jesus. What's this supposed to be at? 550 degrees? Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, after the cake, we had... Um, oh, this was good. Uh, Snacks on Parade featuring the raisin. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was the uh, origin story of raisins, which is people trying to keep their grapes good, but they just keep screwing it up because they keep like cooking them or like freezing them. But then someone just leaves them out in the sun, and they're like, oh, raisins. Which is really an unfortunate way of presenting this. You don't invent raisins. <laughs> you can't invent a, a leaving food in the sun. 
Yeah, and then um, God, they they used a phrase for like whenever all the failed ones, like all the people who didn't leave them out in the sun. Uh, icky poo. They call it. Oh yeah. If you if you didn't leave it in the sun, they turn into icky poo, and I'm like, what the hell is icky poo? <laughs> I don't even want to know. It's nasty. <laughs> anyway, they 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 boxed them up, and it was very clearly the the sun made logo on there. Yeah. Which like kudos to them. If you're so ubiquitously known for for your food that like you make it into sesame, your logo makes it into Sesame Street because it's like so intrinsically tied to the concept of raisins. Like your branding has succeeded, my friend. That's how you know you're big time. Sesame Street picks you up. <laughs> All of the great brands make their way up through Sesame Street. Sesame Street, Elmo is really the gatekeeper of all industry. Capitalism, actually. Um, that's why he's red. Mm, wait a second. Mm. <laughs> um, after this, uh, we had um, our little musical interlude from our celebrity guest, Lena Horne. Oh, yeah. Who was getting particularly intimate with Grover. <laughs> Exceptionally, one might say. After he expressed that he was, like, shy. Yeah, he's a little like, shy. He's like, you're shy around me? And she, she, like, pulls him in and, like, making prolonged eye contact. Yeah, like this two-and-a-half-minute serenade while this puppet is in her arms, like, embraced. And, and and Michael brought it up while we were watching of, like, that dude's hand is just inches from, from her boob at all times. <laughs> I don't like, like the... <laughs> I don't like to break break the fourth wall often with the puppets, but it was seriously <laughs> this woman was was really grasping this hand. Um, yeah. I don't know. The song was fine. It wasn't like notable. Like Olivia is a better singer than her, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean she she's really famous, is but she? also yeah, I mean I just because I hadn't heard her name. Uh, anyway, well yeah, I she... hadn't heard her name, so therefore she's not famous. That's the measure. Uh, like it, it's clearly what it would be like if they brought on. No, I don't know any famous thing. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was getting a little weird. There, it, there was she was like a little too close, and like the whole time it was like she's gonna take just like she's gonna bite a chunk out of Grover's nose right now. <laughs> the nose was in particular, uh, <laughs> kind of bugging me. Yeah. Um, and and here's the thing: like I've never seen Grover as like shy before. The last time I saw Grover, he was the waiter at that Italian place, or the hamburger place. That's the thing that threw me off, is it, w it was really betraying the character, I think. And so, I, I don't know, And maybe maybe Grover is actually just a species, and that is one of many Grovers. That's, that's a possibility, because, you know, the only explanation I could think of for a, the, single, the single Grover hypothesis is, is that upon the creation of Super Grover... It sort of created like a splinter in his identity, oh. where he split off all the exuberance into his superhero <laughs> alter ego, and was left over with this, this sort of like leftover shell husk. of a man. Yeah, <laughs> that's day. That's dark, dude. That's, if you, you gotta, you, you gotta read the comics if you really wanna right. uh, find <laughs> out the, the origin stories. Yeah. yeah, they really skip over a lot of stuff in the show. Yeah, it's not really doing the books justice, in my opinion. The, the manga. Yeah. Um, after this, uh, there was a little R letter R jam, some oh, yeah, funky man. music. Some sick music. It was like an action movie funk groove. I would call it half action movie, half a corporate training video. <laughs> it was an action movie uh, score with with the instrument instrumentation of a synth 
a corporate soundtrack. Yep. <laughs> uh, Oscar shows up as the next uh, uh-huh. opera victim, and he's 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 going to be stubborn as a grouch is, and he's not going to cooperate by not even playing along. He's just going to be silent and sit there in the background. As it turns out, this is what they had planned all along. What a twist! Sing. <laughs> And and Grover, or sorry, Oscar just has no idea how to handle it. He's so like flustered and like because they're they're singing about the fact that in order to cooperate, he was going to sit there and be silent. He's like, oh god, what do I do? I don't know. He's looking around and like trying to make a decision. And eventually, he comes to the resolution that he's just going to shut himself in his trash can, and he's not coming out until tomorrow. Oh. At, at which point they begin to sing tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Etc. Very well done. They've done it. They've been 10 out of 10. Masterful. Um, then we had um, the rhino, R for rhinoceros, oh. who wanted to fly. It was a limerick. Um, it was, uh, it was, okay, kids show, right? You would assume you get the happy ending. Right. Um, this rhinoceros saw a bird, decided its dream was to fly. And so the way it does this is it climbs a tree, jumps off, flaps its arms, and hits the ground. And then they just move on. And it's like, no dream for you. Nope. You were just here so that we could rhyme rhinoceros with applesauce. (laughs) They did have him fall into a barrel of applesauce. You were created for this purpose and this purpose alone. You are now, uh, you will now cease to exist. You end up in the eternal void where all discarded animations end up. (laughs) Um, after the Rhino, we had a really good skit with uh, Ernie and Bert uh, role-playing as cavemen. And... <laughs> role-playing being the operative word. It seems <laughs> as though that their relationship had gone bland, so they attempted to spice it up. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. So, you know, they're, they're in that, that sort of middle you know, stage of their relationship where they're, they're, they've kind of settled in, and they needed, they needed something to change things up. Oh, so... no, it's beyond middle. Not only are they, not only is Bert dressed as like a skimpy caveman, uh, he's also a baby. You don't yeah. <laughs> move into that kind of stuff until it's like we've been married for eighty-two yeah. years and I'm ready to die. <laughs> <laughs> the stage one role playing has has been discarded in favor of mixing two scenarios together. <laughs> we've got to fuse them. The, the the running joke for this one was to take a look at what things were like back in the cave days and Ernie. Uh, seems to be well aware that it's in fact not cave days. Right. There and he are... lets on to this with the occasional <laughs> <laughs> There are cars and streets and whatnot. <laughs> because the, the, the lesson here they were supposed to take away is uh don't cross the street when the sign doesn't let you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh they communicate entirely like bah, 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 right, just nonsense and then the narrator will be like, and and what that means is and then they'll say the actual thing. Right. Then the, another little gag was that the Ugas and Boogas would often not line up with how long the, the actual <laughs> sentence was. It, was. it was a good spoof on dubs. Yeah. They really, they really skewered them good. Um, after this, we had a little uh, bit with Matryoshka, Matryoshka dolls, little rushing nesta, nesting dolls. Oh, yeah. Um, how small can they get? Surprisingly <laughs> small. <laughs> and it seems as though near the end, like, the farther down you went, the more trouble they had popping open. Yeah. And so, like, the first one would just kind of, like, pop itself open, but the second to last and the third to last would, like, sm- rub themselves on the ground and, like, flail about until they popped open. 
they they've they've infused these like grain of rice sized characters with a lot of emotion. <laughs> yeah, no, great storytelling. Ten out of ten. Yeah, super. Um, then we move on to Monster Piece Theater, in which <laughs> Cookie Monster, or as he identified himself in this skit, Alistair Pookie. Oh, and there, there's there's even like a British flag inside the P of Monster Piece. <laughs> yeah. They went all out for this one. Um, in this one, he is presenting the story of Alibaba and the the forty thieves. Oh yeah. Um, so often, I, I feel like I'm getting pretty good at predicting where Sesame Street's going because often, if you present a number to any character, chances are you're going to count up to and no less than that number. Well, you know, I thought the same, but at the same time, they said forty thieves, and I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> They're not going to sit here and count to 40, but uh, to my great disappointment, <laughs> they absolutely did. See, now you you missed the previous episode in which um, there was an animation that started by slowly moving through the ABCs in sign language for, form, and there was a brief moment where we were like, it's going to stop at C, right? They're just going to do ABC, <laughs> right? And then D shows up, and then you know... You're in for the full 26. Because <laughs> you don't – if you're going to stop, it's at the it's at C. There's yes. no good stopping point. Yeah. It's it's incredibly clear. And the same goes with the 40 thieves. Once you pass three thieves, you're like, oh, shit, here we go. Same three puppets the whole time, smashing each other out of the way as they get introduced number by number, not by name. Yeah. There was a camel but, in the mix. There was indeed a camel. They seemed confused. Yeah. And as it went on – um, it, it seemed as though Gro, uh, not Grover, Cookie Monster or Alistair, Alistair Pookie. Alistair Pookie, please. Yeah, uh, thank you. Uh, took the role of Taskmaster, um, <laughs> as in the beginning he was mediating the conflicts between mm-hmm. Ali Baba, who wanted to be the only one introduced, and the forty thieves who wanted to be introduced. And um, it seemed as though he had resolved the conflict and was just going to take a, a compromise, not by name, by number, yada yada. Let's mm-hmm. move on, get the show started. At the very end of all 40 being introduced, he said, that's all we have time for. And it seemed as though he, he was trying to teach them a lesson, yep. which is um, weirdly passive-aggressive for Cookie Monster. Normally, his main concern is cookies. So this was a step in a step in a different direction for him. I think what we have here is another instance of a splintered personality. Mm. Here we have Cookie Monster's uh, a new identity, Alistair Pookie, who is very learned, very wizened. He's got he's he's he's, he's in a big chair. He's got like a book and like a like a like a lounging vest on. Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> he, you know he was smoking a pipe and like running <laughs> his fingers across his chin. <laughs> the 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 telltale signs of intelligence. <laughs> um, then we had uh, a little a really weird animation about a curious cat. With, with musical stylings that I can only describe as like a combination of like, um, like Will Smith like doing the the sort of uh, doing the the Fresh Prince intro and like a a sort mm. of like Prince. There's this was two princes actually. I didn't put this together. There was sort of like a Prince affectation mm. to his voice as well. Um, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about that. This this would have been Prime Prince, right? Prince Prime. No, Prince Prime is what he named himself. Right. He, yeah. After he, the after the symbol, he went to Prince Prime. 
the artist now known as Prince Prime. Right. He's a new generation. <laughs> um, yeah, that was fine. I don't know. Uh, then we had the fourth of the uh, opera singing happenings. Whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The honkers. <laughs> Good stuff. The honkers are a recurring species, I, I learned today. Um, but the, the fourth one is missing. Um, so, unfortunately, Olivia sort of has to, again, reluctantly uh, take up the, the final honkers place in the band. <laughs> and the way <laughs> the way honkers achieve the noise they are so aptly named for is by banging their nose against their hand, <laughs> a wall, another honker, whatever they can get near. It's a fun little chorus. I really like the way they interact with each other. No, for sure. It was it was good. Um, yeah, no, that that was very entertaining. If I were a kid, I would have been laughing my ass off. In fact, I was laughing. I'm still a kid. That's what it is. That's I'm entertained by honkers. Yeah, honkers are good. Um, then we moved on to a little uh, dog paddle song. <laughs> and I didn't... They, they showed a lot of shots of, like, dogs paddling through a river underwater. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> and I, I didn't realize how um, silly dogs looked when they're doggy paddling. Um, it, it just looks like they're they're confused and trying to run underwater. And then they showed like a shot of a kid doing it, and it was like, what are you doing, man? Are you self-conscious about the way you swim now, Jared? Yeah, I've never learned to do like the breaststroke, and yeah. now like I have to because I'm never going to look like that again. That was ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> just like flailing, his arms extending sometimes, really uncoordinated. Like, oh, oh. I hope I don't look like that. <laughs> Bad news, Jared. <laughs> I didn't want, I didn't want you to have to find out this way, but you're, you, you're an ugly swimmer. I'm sorry. <laughs> they can't. Some people can't help it. It's just, it's just part of their, it's just how it has to work. Some people can't stay afloat without flailing their arms. I am not defined by my ugly swimming. <laughs> Are you calling me out for swim shaming? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, after this, we had uh, Bottles the Clown, not Bottles the Clown. Is Bottles the Clown a thing? Bottles the Clown sounds like a parody clown that's like openly drunk. It does, uh, Yeah. <laughs> It was a, a, a woman who is a stacking bottles, um, and there's a clown that's, like, assisting her by, like, oh, yeah. bringing the bottles to her. And well, the she... clown... <laughs> assisting is a word. He was very skeptical about the fact that she was going to balance six whole bottles on top of each other. Right. And so he would make all these faces of, like, <laughs> I don't think so, you know. Um, and to his surprise... And, and and not so much ours. She did, in fact, manage to stack all six bottles. <laughs> what, what became easy to notice at the end of this, however, was that each time they had stacked two more bottles, they would cut away to, like, the, the clown, just the clown's face, like, being, what? And there's no way she's going to get these next two. <laughs> but what must have been happening was a, a little, little trickster was coming in and, and swapping out these bottles for, like, a... They're, like, glued together or, like, strung together or something. Something like that. Right. This is revealed at the end. When but, yeah, and, and the way it's revealed is, you know, she's, like, holding the stack sideways and bowing. Yeah. And the clown's like, whoa. Yeah, that, that was fun. I really like the, cl the clown there. Like, it really, really putting in the work to sort of dismiss the, the creepy clown 
um, myth. Yeah. I think. Thanks, Poltergeist. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, what's the fucking Stephen King clown? Yeah. That one. Fucking, yeah. Um, after that, we had another song, uh, Bird on Me. <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah. This one slots into our, what we presume to be improv songs that are just, they bring in a guy to watch some footage and they say, I don't know, just think about what's happening. Yeah, um, and so, so it was footage of like, exotic? Is that the word? Animals from like, the plains of Africa, right? Yeah. We, we we had giraffes, bison, actually bison, anyway. Um, and just like birds, sitting on top of them. And, and the guy singing like, get off my back, bird. <laughs> and that, that was like the whole thing. And it was it was like good music. Yeah. And but it got us thinking like, does that happen in the wild? Surely it must. Like there's footage of it now, but like And like a lot of footage. Like <laughs> there were there were several different clips of like different scenarios of different birds on different animals. Like to, for there to be like a cameraman there to capture that, like imagine how often that must happen. Like I'm surprised that wild animals are like chill with like birds on them. I mean, the giraffe wasn't. The giraffe was shaking his head around. Get oh, off yeah. me, bird. But, I mean, like, there's not really anything you can do about it if you're, like, a bison. Sure. And and it's just like, well, I guess there's birds on me now. <laughs> That's the life of bison, really, is, well, I guess there's this now. <laughs> That's their default mode of, of existence. Is That's where That's where the famous saying comes from, don't be a bison. Yeah. I know that one well. Um, I said, don't don't get extinct by the white man. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a bison. Be on the lookout for for Manifest Destiny. <laughs> My new album, Manifest Destiny. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> Only on vinyl. <laughs> Only on Vine, in fact. I'm so yes, seven so. seconds at a time. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Uh, after, <laughs> this, after this was uh, a little... Uh, like Romeo and Juliet sort of skit about uh, the guy at the bottom and she's up on the balcony. You know, you know how that how it is. Classic, classic. Um, but he doesn't know what to say, and he's getting he's getting all his lines delivered to him from this like playwright in in like a, a shrub, who, like pops <laughs> up and is like, "Hey, hey, hey, roses are red." <laughs> and uh, that happens multiple uh. times uh, until she finally comes down when he completes the rhyme. But uh, it wasn't to, to come in and, and love him. She, she knows the truth. She it was knows. for the playwright. She yeah. loves the playwright. This one must be interesting because, for all I know, I don't think that Roses Are Red, like, rhyme. Is that a Shakespeare thing? Did he write that? Well, Good. now I feel like my eight-plus years in the public education system have been to a waste. I... <laughs> Now, I've got to think Shakespeare has, has got to be pretty frustrated that, like, this very simplistic little stanza has been attributed to him. Is it? Is that commonly attributed to him? I mean, I bet if you asked, the, if you asked people to come up with who wrote that... I mean, it's Sesame <laughs> you, Street's fault for presenting it in Romeo-Juliet format. I th- oh, you think... You, you think, like, five out of ten people right now would say, yeah, that's Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean, maybe not, like, for sure, but they were like... If you were to give me a best guess of who wrote that, it probably uh, like, yeah. I don't know Shakespeare. I don't know Shakespeare. And it's and it's, what I'm saying is it's Sesame Street's fault for misinforming the public. You know, th- this is why PBS needs to be shut down. We need to. I shouldn't say that. That's bad. PBS doesn't need to be shut down. PBS is doing good stuff. 
I'm glad you backed off of that position. Sorry, TBS. That Look, clearly joking they, position. They are they are source material. They, we're, we're not. It, we can't down talk or anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Shout out to Children's Television Workshop. You're really putting in the good work for the rest of us. Speaking of which, we okay. We get CTW Children's Television Workshop. At one point, there was like a WCTW. Right. And I'm not sure. If there's another workshop, that's fine. I just <laughs> I I'm pretty know. sure that's what the WWE like split off from. WWE. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the WCTW. They Hulk had... Hogan has his degree in education. If you didn't know, he... yeah, he taught English for a while. Not a lot of people know this, but uh, Cookie Monster was actually um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That's the reason he got out of wrestling. Is the Cookie Monster had like a really long, like years long reign with the title. Right. And. and... <laughs> Dwayne, as, as I call him, Dwayne. He, well, you're right, first yeah, name he, basis. Yeah, he, he he went it out. Yeah, you know, um, and it was really surprising, too, because everybody knows Cookie Monster's weakness, cookies. Um, yeah. So it, it was no surprise when, when the chef uh, took, took, the, took the belt from him. Right, by, Swedish by chef. Baking, Swedish chef by baking, by baking him some cookies and, and bribing him. Yeah. An empty victory, but a victory nonetheless. That marked the end of the Attitude Era. Um, after this, we moved on to uh, a little abstract letter animation to feature the letter Z once again. I feel like Z was Z was poorly represented in this episode. I only see two on Wait, my Wait, did we skip here. the Spanish thing? Is that coming up? Oh, the triangle thing? Yeah, what? Did we that was like towards that? the beginning. Oh, dude, we're, we didn't talk about that. Oh, yeah, okay, I, I guess the, I didn't write it down. Yeah, we're not skipping this. Look, okay. They out of nowhere, they they just transition into Spanish, right? <laughs> and they're and they're 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 like teaching basic words like they would if they were doing it in English. And they were like, you know, oh, I don't, I don't know how to say the triangle in Spanish, but they were teaching triangle. That's the thing they were teaching, Jared. <laughs> Look, I'm not good anyway. I've got a B in Spanish too. Going <laughs> forward, we it, so and it was like it was a weird. Does Sesame Street do other languages? Because I've never seen that. They've done Spanish several times before. Okay, so I'm I'm just overreacting. But I think I think the thing about this one was that it took like the immersion approach in that everything was in Spanish. It was it was lost in the it was literally lost in translation because like they were like presenting it they were like I mean, <laughs> I can't do it because I don't know Spanish that well despite my several years of experience. <laughs> but it was like here's a triangle and now, like, we're moving it into a boat. Here is a triangle with a boat as a sail. And it, <laughs> it really became, like, a mess to understand. I Very think. disorienting. Right. I don't I don't know if a, a child would be able to catch on and really, like, grasp anything that was going on. I Look, think that was if, the problem. If I couldn't, right. I, I, as a 17-year-old um, uh, philanthropist genius, mm -hmm. could, not, <laughs> could not latch on to that. Um, a yeah. baby? I'm at least twice as smart as a baby, and at least twice as big. And at, well, there's there's some fat babies out there. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Shout out to all the fat babies. Shout out to all the fat babies. <laughs> um, then we're starting to wrap it up. Um, we go back to the final act, the fifth and final act of the opera, Placido Flamingo's masterpiece, La mm. Via Sesamia. Um, Olivia is, is frustrated because she hasn't had her solo that she was promised yet. 
Oh yeah, the big, the big uh, costume and the big feature. Everybody's listening. That was a pretty important part. Yes, everybody mentioned. listening to her was a very important stipulation. Very um, teaching kids egomania. I think mm-hmm. I, I, they probably could have done a better job of really introducing a, a better female Gordon. You know, Gordon conspicuously absent, which was frustrating. You know, I'm starting to think Gordon might be a soprano after all these years. <laughs> we saw him playing the flute earlier in a different episode. We we saw three of him without knowing it was three of him. So really, <laughs> who's who to we, say? Really, who who are we to say we know anything about Gordon? <laughs> you don't know Gordon. You don't know his struggles. Um, I do know Olivia's struggles though, because she had to put on this like gaudy um, flamingo costume. And sing her solo, which like the the frustrating thing about this was that it was not actually like that ugly. It was kind of cool looking. <laughs> yeah, um, I, like, I wouldn't say cool looking. Well, it was it was Sesame Street cool looking. Sesame Street cool. <laughs> that's that's my that's the new website for this podcast. Sesame Street dot cool. <laughs> um, anyway, the, the the goof on it was that the the costume was really ugly. It's like it wasn't like really like it's just like a like a feather boa and like a like a funny looking hat. But anyway, she sings it anyway. She she gets past that issue pretty quickly and she sings her solo, which a is a little the... too quickly, I think. She yeah. moves on. Yeah, it was clearly running out of time because her solo is the credits. <laughs> yeah, and and a little disappointing for this master soprano to to be seen. Sesame Street is a production of Children's Television Workshop, you know, like, yeah. come on, man. Unfortunate way to end it, but it was still, the performance itself, still impressive. Um, Absolutely. We wrap it up with uh, the sponsors, RZ and the number five. Um, and that was that was another episode of Sesame Street in the bag. In the bag. In the, in the, in the plastic bag, where it belongs, under the kitchen sink. <laughs> Never to be seen by anybody with with good things to do with their time. Well, I don't know anything about that. But what did you <laughs> think on the whole? Did was this a positive experience? Um, you know, it it was it was definitely a new one. I think, and that's that's good for Sesame Street. I remember, I'm sure you do too. Our our concerns at the beginning of this that Sesame Street would become a little too repetitive, mm-hmm. and uh. In, in that we might find too many things um, that, that that would make us want to shoot ourselves rather than watch mm. another episode of Sesame Street. And uh, so in, in that respect, it's good to see like, oh, this one was an opera and, you know, that's new. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and we, we saw some new concepts. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very – this was probably the most consistently good episode of <laughs> Sesame Street that I've seen. It was uh, it was certainly consistent, but I I'm not sure if I would call it um, particularly good. Like th- there were a lot of things that it was like um, like th- there were a few transitions that it was like oh guess mm-hmm. we're moving on from that then. Yeah. Well, now you've got me down in the dumps. <laughs> you know um I I think if you if you really think about it uh-huh. right we're not doing it for. For these episodes, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's not for the ones that bring us down. Mm-hmm. It's for tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
Wow. That's going to do it for Neighborhood Watch, I think. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you to Jared for joining me on this spectacular, uh, tremendous, wonderful episode. And I'll see you all tomorrow. Oh, right. And uh, I, I forgot to oh, mention, yeah? the check you sent me last time bounced. If we could get that uh, settled. Yeah, how about we talk about this all? Yeah, I'm not going to do that.